today. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for Erica. I thank you for what you've done and what you're going to do this day. Lord, I pray for a special blessing of grace and anointing upon her today. I ask you to bless her with the presence, Lord, of just having a words, the gifting of words of knowledge and wisdom as she speaks. God, I'm asking for complete control. I'm asking for just a, a sense of mission and an enablement that comes from on high. And let us, as we stand there listening to her, that we will be moved from point A to point B very quickly, and that you would actually give us the ability to understand what you're teaching us this day. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good? Okay. All right. We're covered. Amen. Oh, we're just such a blessing to be well covered in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. Man, I was going to pray, but that's already done, so we're good. <laughs> uh, so we're going to be continuing with our the series uh, on shakeable identity, and I love that song, uh, you know, I Know Who I Am. It's just kind of so fitting because God has just been uh, using these, these uh, sermons just to help us to understand who we are in Christ. And if you have not listened to the first two sermons on the unshakable identity, I would really encourage you to uh, take some time to listen to them. It's been, the, she goes, Pastor Mona went through the, a lot of the foundational truths about our identity in Christ and really understanding the why, uh, why it's important for us to know our identity in Christ. Because if we don't know who we are in Christ, it, then we become very movable. And especially since our theme this year is unshakable, uh, knowing in our, our identity in Christ helps us to not be shaken in moments where we can be very easily shaken. And we can see just in, just in what is all going on how shakable we can be. <laughs> and God is so good. He, he shows us, uh, and she mentioned in, our, in her last sermons how, you know, when we don't understand our true identity, it can affect our confidence. And then we start living according to a false identity. And there's nothing that makes the enemy more happy than to, for you not to live in your uh, identity. Because when we don't live in our identity in Christ, then we don't walk in, th in the blessing that God has created us to be. We don't walk in the purpose. And it keeps us from actually really experiencing the fullness of God, experiencing the fullness of who he's created us to be for others as well. Because when we live according to, our li to lies and fear, uh, it, just, it just keeps us from really, really experiencing the blessing of God. So uh, she really laid the foundation. And in the next few weeks, we can go to the next slide, we're going to be going through the different aspects of our identity in Christ. I don't know if you can see well here, but it's so the first two that we're going to see today is I am in Christ and I am justified. And then the weeks after, we're going to be following with I am adopted, I am secure, I am free, and I am unfinished. And understanding those, those core truths about your identity in Christ really do make a difference in how you walk out your freedom and, and how you walk out the inheritance that Christ has given you. It's, it's the foundation for our relationship with Christ. So the first uh, foundational uh, truth that we're going to be talking about today is the, uh, the truth about your identity in Christ is that you are in Christ. So what does that mean to know that we, I am alive in Christ? So when you are in Christ, it means that you have been spiritually united to him 
so that you don't uh, so you identify with him and he identifies with you so there's a, a kind of inseparable union between the two of you and so just to kind of give you uh, to illustrate this and the bible uses this illustration as well because jesus says that he is the vine and we are the branches is the illustration of grafting and so these are trees that have been grafted i wish i had a pointer here but as you can see that in the beginning the the tree is bind, uh, is bound up to another tree so that's kind of an illustration of us in christ just a branch by itself it is cut off it dies on its own but when it is grafted into another tree it it comes and gets its life uh, its life source from that other tree oh do i have a pointer yay okay this is great <laughs> i've been been teaching for a bit so i'm kind of like going through withdrawal so this is great i'm really excited so we can see here uh, that you can almost not tell barely tell where the old tree uh, ends and where the new tree begins. They become one tree. And so we become one in Christ. So that tree, the new tree, is in the old tree. The, tr the old tree is in the new tree. And together, you know, and that, that new tree here, it becomes a new creation. It becomes something different altogether because it is getting its life source from someone else, from something else. So Jesus is our life source. He is our strength. He is, he is the empowerment that we have. So when you accept Jesus in your heart and you, you proclaim him as your Savior and your Lord, that means that you become a new creation, something utterly new. And so being in Christ means that there is now a union with him. So this kind of picture kind of serves... Uh, um, a, a picture of what happens and what Christ did when he saved you. So he told his followers in John 15, 5, that uh, he is the vine and we are the branches. That means that he is our source of life, our source of power, our source of strength. And the, the one thing that the enemy doesn't want you to understand is where your, your source of power comes from and where your strength lies. Because if he has you trying to do things in your own strength, out of your own empowerment, then it is definitely not as effective as Christ, and it does not produce the same life that Jesus produces. So I think that was in this next slide. Uh, yes. Oh. oh, no, that's another one. Sorry. I went ahead of myself a little bit. So... Um, so that means that you are, uh, you are like a branch uh, that has been grafted into the vine, becoming fused to the vine and utterly dependent on it for your life and your health. And often we depend on ourselves for our, uh, for our source of strength and our, and our life and our health, our spiritual health. So many Christians through the years have said that of all the blessings you receive as a Christian, there is none greater than this. So temporal blessings are cannot equate to this spiritual blessing because as human beings what we really long for we can search for temporal um temporal success and i was listening to a, a speaker talk about he, he's a, a person who does conferences with very very successful people and he said it says he said success does not bring happiness 
It does not bring joy. So it doesn't matter how much you succeed. And because sometimes our, our goal in life is, okay, I, I just need to accomplish these things. I just need to do these things to feel significant, to feel secure, to feel safe. And he, what he was saying is that once people have attained those things that they truly desire, they, fi they find out that there is no true joy in those things. And it's only in relationships. And he says true joy comes in significance. When you have significant relationships with people because we were created with a longing for relationships and this is the key thing with our salvation it isn't just a gift that god gives us it is an invitation to relationship and so if there was if there was forgiveness of sins without union there would be no relationship and so god isn't giving you just a free ticket to heaven or a, uh, just a, a transaction forgiveness of your sin and then kind of leaving you on your own, he's invited you to a relationship with you. That's what separates religion from Christianity, from, from relationship with God. So God was not looking for a way for your sins to be forgiven simply because he was annoyed by your sin. What he really, because there, there needs to be forgiveness for sin, but God, he wasn't just trying to forgive your sin just to get rid of it. The sin itself, it's because he wants union with you. He wants relationship. He wants closeness with you. In John 15, Jesus also prayed to the Father that we as believers would be one as he and the Father are one. So relationship is always the ultimate goal. So you should know that there is a past present, and future dimension to this union. So in the distant eternity past, you were loved by God and chosen in Christ to be an object of his love. I think that we need to be reminded of these truths. And these are not new truths. Those are truths that we have been spoken to, you know, time and time again over the, the past years. For those of you here who have been here for a long time, We've received those truths, but we need to be reminded of these truths because we often forget our identity in Christ. We often forget the value, the, the intensity of how, with which God values us. And we need to be reminded because that needs to be what is that power source between, um, what sources are the empowerment to help others and to love others. So when you know and you understand in Psalm 139, 15 to 17, God knows everything. He knew you before he even formed you. He says, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. That's Psalm 139. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. That's how precious you are to God, is that he knows everything every exact thing that you're going to do and that even before your parents called you by name he already loved you and so we need to understand that so even in the past he already had a plan for salvation in seven, verse 17 says how precious to me are your thoughts god how vast is the sum of them and so you are valued you are important to god God also looked into the future, knew you would exist, and decided to bring you into a special relationship with Christ. 
Even then, he knew you would eventually have uh, the right to share in all the benefits of what Christ would do. I think I, I'm going to ask you to, to go to the, the next slide. So it says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. So before the creation of the world, he already made a plan for you to be able to be united with him. So I want to just uh, go to the next slide and just take a moment just to explain something. So before Christ, we were dead in our sins. So sin creates a separation from God. And so we were dead in our sin. And so and Jesus, he's in the alive circle, uh, he was alive with God. And so he chose to came to earth to die for our sins, to take on the responsibility for our sins so that we would be made alive in him. So can go to the next slide and just press, keep pressing the buttons. <laughs> so now we are in him. We are in the alive circle, but we are now together with him. But all of us believers are alive in him. And so when God looks at us, he does not see us as we were in our sin, in our faults, because we still do sin at, at times. But because of the forgiveness and the blood of Christ, now when God looks at you, he sees you through Jesus. And that is so important to understand. And so then 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ lived on this earth, God looked at him and thought of you. Anything that Christ did as your representative, God counted as if you actually did it. So in God's eyes, what Christ did you did. When Christ lived a life of perfect love and obedience, God thought of you, uh, you living a life of perfect love and obedience. So when God looks at you, he sees you through Jesus. And how does that impact my life? I don't know about you, but there are moments in my life where I feel like I've messed up where I feel like I'm not measuring up to God's standard and where condemnation can come in and really flood my heart and just discourage me. Because there's times where we just, it seems like we're either in this, stuck in this pattern that doesn't seem to move or, you know, when we count of all, we know where we should be sometimes and we know that we're not measuring up to that standard. And so when you think about that, when you really understand your identity that I am in Christ, oh, wait a minute, when Satan comes in, well, what kind of Christian are you? You know, oh, well, you know, if you're a good Christian, you should be doing this and that. You shouldn't be, you know, thinking these things or you shouldn't be, you know, acting this way. And so whenever the enemy comes with those accusations, now we have that, we become unshaken by these accusations because we understand, wait a minute, when God looks at me, he sees me through Jesus. I can confess my sins and I am forgiven. I don't have to live under that. I don't have to try to get back in the circle. I already am in the circle. When I sin, I don't get out of the circle. I don't move from that circle. I, my relationship is established. Now, does sin impact my everyday life? It does. Does it have consequences? Yes, it does. Does it have consequences on other people? Yes, it does. But what happens is that my relationship with God, when, I, when God looks at me, that there's no judgment there. I think that one of the things, key things that as human beings hurt us the most is whenever we feel judged by someone else. When we feel like that other person thinks less of us 
or thinks that we're small, that's, that usually will like, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to hang out with that person <laughs> if they're going to think this of me. But when you fully understand how God sees you and what he thinks of you, then you, you become unshaken in your relationship and your ability to go to him. And so that's why it's so key, important to understand your identity in Christ. And I remember a season last year in that season of my life, one of the key truths that helped me get out of this, this long period of depression was really that I, understanding my identity in Christ, that I was alive in Christ. I remember going to see Pastor Mona, and I'm sure I annoyed her to death, with just explain this to me, explain this to me. What do you mean I'm alive in Christ? And she would just kind of draw me illustrations and pictures. And, and I remember she brought that illustration of the envelope. I don't know if you guys remember. And the, the, uh, the paper clip inside the envelope, you are in Christ. That means you're sealed. You're, you're in him. There's, you're not, there's no getting out of this. And so once I understood that because I lived under so much condemnation because I equated what I did with my worth and even what I did for God with my worth to him. And so I saw him in this light because how you see your identity in Christ often reflects how you see him how you see his character and how he loves you. He, you judge the quality of his love. And so I judged God, the quality of God's love. And, and so my mind needed to be renewed by this truth, this identity truth. And, you know, I remember she said, uh, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, but it, God is not waiting for, you, for your emotions to change. He's not waiting for you to feel like this is truth. And it, I can tell you and testify to that it was a long time before I felt this truth, but I made a real decision to believe this truth. And slowly but surely, my mind was and my heart was restored. My peace was restored. Now, you know, there's, there was other elements. There was, you know, physical uh, problems that were inter intertwined in that. But sometimes physical problems will bring to the surface things that we believe. They'll bring up the ugly. Because when we're vulnerable we have less of a capacity to hide things. And so God is very concerned about that. So sometimes out of his grace and his mercy will allow circumstances in your life and to really fashion you, to bring these ugly things to the surface so that you can deal with, with them. And th this truth about our identity is very, very, very key. And so I had holes in my belief system when it came to this truth. And God healed and restored me. Uh, you know, and if you would ask me, would I, you know, exchange those two years of intense suffering? No, I would never. Because as long as I wasn't, uh, that I felt like I was okay, I was never going to deal with those things. I was always kind of, kind of like, I was a bit of a hypocrite when it came to those things. I didn't face, I didn't see my need to face these things. And so God allowed those, that, period of time in my life in order for me to face those ugly things. And now I can say that my security is much greater. I feel so much more secure in Christ now because I know what he thinks of me. And so I'm not shaken by that. And so I think I'm just going to, yes. So Romans uh, 6 verses 5 and 6 says, for uh, we have been united with him in a death like this. We will certainly be also united with him in, uh, in a resurrection like this. 
For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with and that we should no longer be slaves to sin. As long as I had issues with my identity, I was a slave to my insecurities. And I served my insecurities, and it was a taskmaster over my life. It wasn't gracious, and I had lived with a lot of guilt and condemnation, and it actually kept me from walking in the joy of the Lord and walking in the joy of what he had created me to be. I, it, my relationships with people became strained and, and very difficult. It, it was hard for me to be around people. And now my joy has been renewed, and it is a joy to delight with the people that I am around with again. And that's the blessing. So all those benefits are stored up for you, just waiting for that moment when you would become a Christian and gain a new identity. So there is blessing that comes with our identity in Christ. So inside the circle, if you can go back to uh, the circle, so not only are we alive, but we also have all the inheritance that Jesus has in that circle. So that means intimate relationship with God and that assurance, that confidence, freedom from fear and anxiety and just his provision and his rest, his peace. And in this time of, of, of turmoil, we can experience his peace as we are in him. So, I just want to make sure. So, in 1 Corinthians 15, 22, it says, For as in Adam all died, so in Christ all will be made alive. So, that's that sweet uh, blessing that we have in Jesus. So, if it can go to the, the, yes, that one. So, as we can see there, now we are made alive in Christ. We're not the same as we used to be. So that's a, does that mean that we are, you know, perfect now or that we never have any issues? No, but it does mean that we now have the, the empowerment to change and to be free from what all that's the consequences of sin. So we can walk in greater and greater freedom every day. So you are in Christ. He is your deepest identity. I like that sentence because it's, it's saying that my identity is not just reliant on what I think. And one of the greater things that I needed to let go of was what I thought of myself. I had my own standards for my identity. And when I was willing to let that go and let him be Lord, that means that he's the one who decides. He's the one who has the authority over who I am. Then my peace was restored. But as long as I had my own standards and my own uh, opinion of what my identity was, and who, like, because we have opinions about our worth. We have opinions about who we think that we are. And if we're, sometimes we're just comfortable because that's all that we know. Because life has given us these messages, and as we've grown up, and sin just uh, gives us that, that message of who we are. But as we are, our mind is renewed in Christ, then we experience a deepest identity. We actually get to discover who you really are. And in the last months, what's beginning to, what has begun to happen is that, you know, sometimes we're so afraid to surrender to God because we're afraid of what he's going to ask. <laughs> we're afraid that he's going to ask us more than we can give. But the wonderful thing in the last few months is I've got to discover myself and who I am as a person, what I like, what I don't like. And, and I've got to discover that, you know, 
God has such great care for me. And there's times where because I had my own mindset and I just needed, you know, I'm going to do things this way, I would cause myself a lot more misery. But when I started listening and hearing his voice, then I saw him leading me in a path of peace. He wasn't asking me to continue to hit, you know, or kick a dead horse, you know, things that kept, didn't keep moving. He was asking me to make decisions based on his will. And the decisions based on his will are also for my good. So that's kind of what's exciting with God. And not only that, you get to discover who you truly, who you truly are. So you are in Christ, and all that is, is his is yours. You can tr- truly know him uh, so that you, uh, only, uh, you not only do you know about Christ, but you're actually in relationship with him. Through his fellowship, this friendship, he brings comfort, hope, and assurance, and peace. And I don't know if you remember the old hymns, the blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. And it has given me this assurance. Remember Pastor Juan said, you know, when we live in that false identity, we lose confidence and we lose assurance. But in Christ, we gain assurance and peace. So that's the, the, the part of being in Christ. We are also, in the second part, justified in Christ. So... Being in Christ is a foundation, and so it's an incredible privilege and one that is completely undeserved. And while it is inherently relational, it also has a legal aspect to it. You have been justified by Christ. So growing up in the church, I, I, it took me a while for me to understand that I was a sinner. <laughs> and I think that you can't truly understand your need to be justified if you don't understand that you're a sinner. And I love our new uh, children's church curriculum. It's called the Gospel Project. And we take every week, we, we make the connection between the Bible stories and, uh, and Jesus. And so we connect all of that. But we also talk about the gospel. But we can't talk about the gospel if we don't talk about sin. And so I remember, you know, just... In, I, remember I was in my dorm room in university, and I was just praying. I'm like, you know, because in, in comparison, if I compared myself to others in what I did, I felt like I was okay. Because, you know, I went to church, you know, I paid my tithes, I was on worship, I taught Sunday school, I, you know, I went to, I was one of the only youth to go to prayer, you know, at times, you know, like, to me, I was doing pretty good. And, you know, I, I talked about Jesus to others. But yet I had never experienced the forgiveness of my sins because I didn't think that I had sin. And I always find it funny when we're talking to kids, you know, we're talking to, well, do you guys think you have sin? No, I don't sin. I don't do any bad. You know, you, so you never do anything bad? No, I never do anything bad. And so you ask them, oh, have you fought with your sister and brother this week? Yes. <laughs> oh, have you, you know, had conflict with your mom and dad? Yes. Okay. So, and I think that it's reassuring when you, for them, when you understand it, like everybody sins. And even whenever, whenever we're in a, a counseling, you know, kind of uh, situation and we ask people to share about, you know, their past, you know, often they're afraid to talk about, you know, the things that their parents have done. But it, it's a lot easier when you understand that there's no parents that are without sin. So all of them will have experienced or, or perpetrated sin in one way that will have affected uh, our upbringing. So there's no perfect family. There are no perfect parents because there is none without sin. No one's without sin. 
And so when we understand that, it, it becomes a lot easier to understand our need for the gospel, our need for the blood of Jesus, and our need to be justified. So we experience, uh, so I experienced freedom, you know, when I, when I also when I searched for my understanding, uh, I searched to understand my justification in Christ. And once I understood my justification also, not just that I was alive in Christ, but also that I was justified. Because of the condemnation and the guilt that would come and, and get to me, when I understood that Jesus paid it all, then that was such a reassurance for me. So I just want to use a, a, a slight illustration. So if one of your neighbors, uh, next slide, came to your house and robbed your home, uh, he would not only be committing a crime against you, but against the laws of society as a whole. We have laws in our society to keep the whole safe. And so if a, if a robber comes to your house and, you know, and perpetrates, you know, a crime against you, is he going to, you know, is, is it you that's going to make him accountable or is he going to be accountable to the law system? He's going to be accountable to the law system, to the court of justice. And so for us in Christ, we might sin against each other, but we are accountable to the law that God has put, the law of the universe that God has put in place. And so we are accountable to God uh, personally as well. So his actions, this robber, uh, would not only be against you personally, but against the agreed-upon rules of society. That's why we have a penal system. We enforce the, to enforce the law and punish the guilty. We all know that enforcing the law is crucial to the functioning of society. If we break the law, we are punished, and that is just and right. When your neighbor stole that money from you, he didn't just violate you, he also became uh, guilty of violating the laws of the nation. So it is fair and just that he would be punished by the authorities. And with us, it would be just and fair for us to be punished for our sins. Because when we sin, we don't just sin against each other, we do sin against all. Sin is not insulated. It isn't isolated. It does impact. We see the repercussions of sin all over the world. I mean, we're seeing it even in this crisis, this whole toilet paper story. But like, you know, people are, are greedy and selfish and self-centered. So we see the repercussions of sin. And sin requires payment. And not only that, we cannot get into God's presence with sin. And that's why Jesus had to pay the price for us. So just as you are uh, responsible to obey the laws of the land they are hand, as they are handed out by the government, you are also responsible to obey the laws of the universe as they are handed down by God, its creator and governor. Every time you sin, you violate the law of God who created you to live in perfect harmony with him and with everyone else that he created. So relationship is always the goal again. But you and I have failed to do this. We have sinned countless times, and this le leaves us guilty before God. Guilty of, of being a lawbreaker and guilty people must be punished. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace 
through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So we have all been justified. Well, what does it mean to be justified? If I was going to, I don't know if that's ha ever happened to you, but it's happened to me to go to a restaurant and with my coworkers, and then I'm like, oh, snap, I forgot my wallet at school. And like, and by the time I notice, I've, I've already eaten lunch, I'm like, <gasps> what am I going to do? And so it's always an embarrassing kind of situation. And so, but there's times where my, my coworkers will cover me. And so this is the same thing with sin and the forgiveness of sin, the justification of sin, is that Jesus says, I've got you covered. And but, you know, with my coworkers, I still had to pay them back. <laughs> but we can never pay back the covering for our sins, ever. It, the penalty is too high. And because none of us can kind of go out a day without some kind of sin, um, we could never, ever pay back, pay God back. But Jesus did in our place. That's what the beauty of the sacrifice is. So you have been declared innocent, and yet justice is still satisfied because this is the thing with God. God doesn't throw things under the carpet. You know, there's times when there's conflict in a home and we just pretend that nothing has happened and we keep going on and just, you know, but it's always there. It's always underlying and it in impacts and affects the, the home and the relationships. But God does not throw things under the carpet. God does want to deal with sin because sin is serious to him. And so God chose to deal with the sin by sending his son, Jesus, for our sins. And we need to be reminded, how does that impact our everyday life? When we know that we're justified, that, we can, that means that we can go freely to him. And that means that we can actually progress in our walk with God. So because Jesus took your place, suffering for the punishment of your sins deserved, uh, in the moment you trusted, in Christ, uh, trusted Christ for your salvation, God declared that you were and always will be innocent. And so if you can go back to that, uh, that circle, uh, the circle thing way beyond it, number eight. There you go. So because of justification, when, Jesus, when God looks at, uh, at you, he does not see your sin any longer. It has been paid by the blood of Jesus. And so, uh, so when God looks at you, he thinks of your sin as being forgiven and of Christ's righteousness as belonging to you. He declares that you are fully righteous in his sight. And I just want to, just if you can go back to the, uh, the other stickman figure. <laughs> yeah. So whenever we do sin, just to illustrate, whenever we sin, it does not just impact others, but it does impact you know, it, we do sin against God as well. And God is very concerned about that, you know, about sin because he knows the impact that it has on our relationships. And there's nothing more precious to God than, uh, than us loving our neighbors and loving God with all our hearts. And he's mentioned it so many times in, in the Bible. Romans 8.1 says, next slide. It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When I finally understood that I was in, alive in Christ and that I was justified, those two key truths about my identity, it enabled me to walk out of darkness and into the light. Walked out of darkness and into freedom. 
But not just that, it also impacted my relationships with others, enabled me to make decisions according to truth and not according to what I felt. It helped me to listen to his voice in a greater measure than before. And I was able to make, I was able to be unshaken by uh, situations. So just to give an example of that, the, this week I finally, you know, applied for non-paid leave from here to the end of the year. And I'm like, okay, God, I'm being obedient. I'm doing what you asked me to do. God has made me, asked me to make a decision concerning, you know, my work. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to walk in obedience. So I did that and I applied for substitute teaching Friday. And then <laughs> Friday, get the news, no school for two weeks. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> I was like, no, but I, I mean, for those who are, who, who I've talked to, like they know how, like I'm a little upset about the whole thing, but before this, I would have seen the situation in a totally different light. Now I see it. I'm like, okay, God, maybe you want me to make a different decision and you know, you want me to make different steps. I'm waiting. I'm listening before. If that situation would have happened last year, what would have happened is like, well, okay, well, God, you know, like I'm being obedient. Why aren't you blessing me? You know, and, and here I am giving you my life and, and you're allowing this to happen. And, you know, like, did I do anything wrong? Am I not walking in obedience? Am I over questioning, overthinking? So you can see how my identity really made an impact on how shaken I am or not. And even when it came to making this decision, you know, I, I felt, you know, there's, there's, you know, situations at work that were happening and I'm like, okay, but instead of condemning myself, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not a good teacher enough. I'm not doing, this is what was happening before. I was just in that self-condemnation constantly. But what happened is that now I was able to make, okay, God, this isn't working. I'm going to wait and listen to what you want. It no longer was, a, because my identity was secure in Christ, I was alive, made alive in Christ. I was justified by, uh, by his blood. Now it was just like, okay, God, now I'm going to listen to what you want me to do because it really isn't just about me it isn't just about you when you know your identity in christ it isn't just for you it isn't just about you it's about the people who are around you and how they get to experience god's love and so that time that i've had off have been time where i've been able to spend time with my brothers and sisters and god helped me because my identity now is secure now i can look to others and i'm more in a place of being able to give not out of my because i used to give out of my own need to uh, maintain relationships now i know that i'm secure i know that i'm a blessing because god has has so said this about me and he's spoken that message over, over me. He, I know I, how valued I am to him. I know how loved I am by him. And so now I don't have to find that safety in trying to maintain relationships because I did relationships very transactionally. It was really about I do this for you, you do this for me. And so if I do this for these people, then they'll, they'll love and accept me. You know, then I, I have a reason to be in their lives or have, you know, worth to them. I have value, they'll value my relationship enough if I do things enough for them. You know, but now God has stripped all of that away. You know, he enabled me to come to a place where I could do nothing. That's a wonderful place to be. And once I was there, then God showed me the, how you really do relationships. Being truthful and honest with your brothers and sisters and, and really delighting in the people that are around you. 
But you can't delight in people unless you know how much of a delight you are to God. And that's why it's so key for us to really understand. That's why I really want to encourage you to listen to the full series on your identity, but not just to listen to the information, but ask God, God, where is it? Where are the holes in my identity? Where are the holes in my belief system concerning my identity? You know, I wouldn't pray for anyone to go through a lot of misery only to get to that place of understanding, but sometimes God will use those things. So even in this time of, you know, of crisis, you know, where you feel, you know, either uh, heightenedness or stress or fear, ask God to show you who he is and who you are and how safe you are in him. So when you belong to Christ, you are made right with, with God. There is no sin left to pay. There is not an ounce of guilt remaining there is no sentence hanging over your head. There is nothing you need to be, uh, need to be more uh, accepted by God. You are forgiven. You are accepted. You are innocent. You are righteous. And you are justified. You can now relate to Christ as one who owes him nothing but your gratitude and service as you join into that glorious relationship. And so that's the whole invitation when it comes to uh, identity. So I and just uh, if you need to just to, to take some time with God today, if you there's questions about if God has been showing you things concerning your identity or things that you've been struggling with, you know the the altar is open. We are there to pray with you. If you need to leave, uh, you know just do so quietly. I just want to give you some time just to to reflect and just to that spend that time with God. To really consider, God, do I really understand my identity in you? Do I really feel secure in you? Do I really know that I am loved and that I'm not judged by you? That when you look at me, you see me with complete and utter cleanness because of Christ. These are simple truths, but we need, at times, a reminder. We need to remember.